You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Who is it that could bring pollution down to zero? Today, we're going to be talking about the only man who can, Captain Planet. He's going to do it. Bring pollution down to zero. Guys, welcome to Systematic Geekology. We are the priest to the geeks, and this is a special bonus episode where we're going to be talking about the one and only Captain Planet. And I could not be more excited. This is my childhood. I kind of get that this is part of Joe's childhood. This will be a lot of fun. Um, I'm Joshua Knoll. I'm one of the co-hosts here. I'm also co-host of the Whole Church Podcast. And um, recently, I've been, and this is, either Joe's going to be dismayed that I enjoy this, or he'll be glad that I enjoy this. I don't know. But I have discovered on HBO Max the show Titans. And it's like DC Universe, the Titans show. I watched it because of Teen Titans. I think I've read a Titans comic before. It is nothing like the Teen Titans show. But man, once you get past that first season, I'm just so drawn into this. And I'm like, I don't even know if this is good, but I can't help myself. So, so here I am. <laughs> I'm fascinated that you to to get to see the perspective of a not naturally oriented DC guy who has no connection to the fact that you just got to shut your brain off and be like, this is a completely different adaptation of the Titans, because that's how I was as a DC guy. The first couple of seasons, I'm like, okay, this just this is not any version of the Titans that we've ever seen before. And from that point on, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I I know just enough to be dangerous or to be like uh, when Connor showed up, I'm like, I have an idea who this is. And I know nothing about him outside of this show and the fact that, you know, I knew his origin. Right. So as soon as he showed up, I was like, well, that's cool. And then Crypto followed. And I was like, this might be the greatest show of all time, simply because of Crypto. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I am Joe. I am a broadcaster, podcaster. Um, I'll tell you what, intros like that are why I absolutely love doing these episodes. <laughs> if you can make me laugh in the intro, it's going to be a good episode. Um, recently, my wife and I have been going through a show called Tournament of Champions. I spent over a decade in the restaurant business. One of my guilty pleasures is quality cooking shows and quality cooking competition shows. It's kind of like a best of the best against each other sort of thing. That's what I've been geeking out on recently. Fascinating. I um, I might have to check that one out. I, I just might because. Yeah. Anyway, so today <laughs> we are here to discuss one of the first shows I ever remember watching. Um, it ran from 1990 to 1995. I was born right in the middle of that in 92. And I don't remember when it was live, obviously, but I remember watching when it was Saturday mornings and it was on the reruns and all that. And this was one of my all time favorites to the extent that when I was in college, Joe, there is a picture of one Halloween me and my buddies and everybody's dressed up as different people. And I'm standing in the middle, superhero posed, dressed as Captain Planet, blue face paint, everything. I just had to go. Had to 100%, go there. That has to <laughs> sit day that people can listen to this. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, if you know me, you're probably not that surprised by that bit of information. Yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, Joe, before we jump into exactly what the show is, some of the premise and stuff, what was how did you come into the show? How were you introduced to it? So when you pitched the idea of doing a Captain Planet show, I was like, I, I, I'm, I'm on that because you're talking firmly in childhood nostalgia territory for me. Um, I, you know, this is part of Saturday morning cartoons and all of those kinds of things. The one thing I will say is for whatever reason, the villains of Captain Planet <laughs> tended to hold more gravitas in my childhood brain. I remember being like, I guess, taking the villains a little bit more seriously in this show in comparison to some of the other cartoons i watch it now and i'm like really this was this was what had my childhood <laughs> brain 
focused, but yeah, um, this is one of those shows that I, I can remember when it was on Saturday morning, and I can remember when it was on like six o'clock in the morning, and I would watch it in the morning <laughs> up for school. Nice. Yeah. With the villains on this show, a lot of the show, really, um, you know, there are some kid shows that are also meant for adults, and this is not one of them. <laughs> this is 100% for kids. And some of these villains, we, we have Duke Nukem, Verminous Scum, like <laughs> August Greedy. They don't play around with nuance. They're just like, our villains are bad guys that want bad things to happen. They don't even think it's a good thing. They like, I like a uh, scum. Like the first episode I remember seeing him on, I recently been binging it. He's literally like, Hey, wait a minute. This coal thing shut down. I bet we could use this to make acid rain and destroy the earth. <laughs> and it's like, he has no, like in no way does he think it's a good thing for the earth to be destroyed. He knows he's bad and he owns it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, I, part of the charm. <laughs> on it, and there it is. Yeah, I really think that that is part of the charm. That this is just so unapologetically exactly what it sets out to be, and that's an educational, silly show for kids to get into. And even like, I guess for kids, it's not really it's not really silly per se. As an as an adult, you, you it's not lost on you. One quick side note, for all of you 90s kids out there, I would love to know the legalities behind this show using Duke Nukem and versus the, the video game Duke Nukem. I know they're not spelled the same, but <laughs> I'm fascinated. Um, but yeah, this, I think what I appreciated about this in watching it back, because I watched back a couple, the first couple of episodes for preparation for today and you know it is what it is and it never tries to be more than it is but still doing so in a way that is just fun yeah if that makes sense yeah and it yeah as another just quick really quick side note and we're gonna have plenty of tangents on this episode i, I can feel it um <laughs> Duke Nukem was a terrible bad guy because at that time, the way we handled toxic waste was or nuclear waste was particularly awful for the environment. And what's ironic now is that even some of the Soviet Union stuff, a lot of the stuff then that was really relevant and good and whatever. Now it's kind of a little bit dated, right? We the way we process nuclear waste now, it's actually a much cleaner form of energy than most of the other things we do. So it's kind of ironic to see Duke Nukem as the bad guy, whereas I wonder if they did Captain Planet today, if that villain would have to be a little bit more nuanced just because of how we've advanced. Right. That's just one of those what if things. I'll leave that hanging out there. <laughs> yeah, it's there are a lot of aspects of this that show the time period that it was created. You know, it never tries to be more than it is for a 90s show and all of that. And from how they present the different nationalities of your characters to what is the most pertinent environmental issue at that time to, I would dare say, certain aspects of how they present Captain Planet as a whole, if there would have to be, you know, there would have to be some some modeling to present day if you were going to try and translate that into yeah. current time. Yeah, and this is, I won't sit on this because it's too dangerous to sit on, and I don't want to get too political, but... It is something that if you do just pay attention to some of your more liberal agenda things like this, there tends to be this thing where come 10 years down the road, that's not liberal enough anymore. A lot of the stuff that happened in this show, even though at the time was very, you know, liberal. Now it would be that's not PC and you'd have to kind of update it for that demographic. Um, similar to uh, <laughs> I said, I won't going to sit on this, but similar to Dr. Seuss at his time, he was like raging liberal and now we're like oh he was just you know awful if democrats hate him now and i'm like sometimes you have to let things sit 
in the year that it was made. This was a 90s show, and we have to have that in context. Yeah, I don't think that um, it is... I think it's a good thing to allow specific pieces of IP to live in the context in which they were originally presented. There are several examples that I could rattle off off the top of my head that in their original context were either really groundbreaking or really good for its time or an important message for that time or done in a way that made sense to the people of that time. And just allowing that to be a part of it rather than trying to strip it down and to recreate it for a modern audience and a modern context and all of those kinds of things. I think that that is very important to um, incorporate into how you think about certain things. And I think that forever, you know, king of segues here <laughs> in competition, Brandon, this one's for you. Um, I, I've learned from the best. When you have an IP and you can enjoy it for what it is, you allow for the intricacies and the nuance and the good storytelling and the positive nature and the good things about that thing to be able to shine through without trying to contextualize it to the voice that you have in your time at this specific time. And so in spirit of that, I want to jump over to talking about the juxtaposition of a Captain Planet with what is commonly thought of of Saturday morning cartoons. Big, flashy, bombastic. I'll say violent. I don't necessarily mean violent. I mean more geared towards conflict and those kinds of things rather than Captain Planet that, yes, has conflict, but is more geared towards a message, uh, uh, a an educational piece. And while I'm sure if we sit there and comb through, you know, with exact precision, we can find plenty of things that are wrong with it. I will say that in watching it, one of the things that really stuck out to me was that kind of good-hearted nature behind it and that kind of being the driving orientation of the show. Yeah, so I, I want to add on to what he said with uh, as far as taking things in their context and taking the good and seeing the message of it. That's also how you properly read the Bible. You do have to take it in its time. Hey, guess what? We're systematic geekology. I'm allowed to throw that in there. So I did. Um, <laughs> that being said, when we're thinking about the show and just the good hearted naturedness of it, it's really ironic. I feel like what Ninja Turtles was to you, Joe, is mm -hmm. sort of what this show was to me. I This is the one that really stands out to me growing up that I was just fascinated with Captain Planet, which, hey, might be why I'm such an MCU guy. I'm like, it's bright colors. It's happiness. It's at the end. Good things happen. And here's how you have the power or what, what, what is the, what's the phrase? The power is yours and you can go do good now. And I eat that up. Even as a child, you know, I was like, yeah, I could go do good. And I, I, it is interesting when you put it in context of the other things I remember seeing Saturday morning where like the Sonic TV show, Ninja Turtles, um, the Kirby show is another one. I remember there was a lot of video game shows at that point. Yeah, there was. And I'm like, a lot of those were just fun, beat up guy. Hey, what's going to happen next? A lot of times there'd be a lot more suspense in the show. I don't know how Captain Planet fit in there, but it definitely feels like it would. Like, I think you'd have a hard time watching this and not thinking this was a Saturday morning show, <laughs> you know? Yeah. A, from its presentation, like this is very much Saturday morning TV in the same kind of way that these other shows are Saturday morning TV. They just have a different baseline orientation in a lot of respects, but also that's what makes it so poetic for its time. Because at that period of time, from both, from every angle, pretty much, 
corporate individual uh atheist christian all the different angles that you could think of we weren't very good to the planet and so having something that espoused the virtues of treating the planet with respect um just uh, i can appreciate what it was trying to do for the time that it was trying to do it was it a little bit heavy-handed in certain regards with a little less nuance towards business owners and the plight of owning a business and all that kind of stuff? Sure, we could go down that rabbit hole and we could probably have a sprawling conversation given my <laughs> experience in business as well as geekdom. But again, at its level, I can appreciate that they're trying to speak to kids to be like, hey, we're not doing a good job. Don't be like us in this regard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What what's <laughs> I want to move on to some of the actual plot points, too. But what's one thing that I found really interesting with that is so at the end of every episode, they have the the power is yours. And then Captain Planet comes out and tells the kids how they can better help the environment. And a lot of the stuff that they do, I'm like, yeah, I'm sure parents love that their kids are now thinking, hey, when you see trash on the beach, pick it up and throw it away. That's a good thing. Glad to see my kid do that. Or I'm sure dads literally cheered when it said, make sure you turn lights off when you're not using it or turn the TV off when you're not using it. Every dad who pays the power bill was like, yeah, you know, like we're all cheering. Um, I wish we would do that at my home more often. (laughs) Um, But then there's times where it's like, hey, maybe drive less and ride a bike. And I'm like, I feel like parents at those moments were like, uh, what? (laughs) because you know there was some like i was probably one of those like five ten year old kids that are like dad let's ride a bike why are we using a car we're gonna kill the planet right and i'm sure that is not something parents wanted to have to explain to their kids because like joe said a lot of things environmentally they are a lot more nuanced than you can say in a kid show some stuff very simple you see trash on the beach pick the trash up right simple to the point whatever when it comes to cars, not everyone can afford an electric car. And even then, where are they getting the electricity from? You know, sometimes it's not always clean energy there. Uh, right now, we're looking at a world situation where we're trying to not empower Russia. So grass is going up higher. And does that mean we do more oil rigs and stuff ourselves to make the gas go lower? Because I think most people would say it's a good thing to not be supporting Russia right now. But at the same time, yeah, that isn't bad. That is bad for the environment. I don't have any answers for you. What I do know is that environmental stuff is a lot more nuanced than you can get in a kid show. But there are these simple little things. So I feel like overall, would you say the show did a good job at kind of keeping the focus on the smaller things rather than the driving the car things? Or do you think it was too far in that direction? I think that in the 90s, I should say, as an extension from the 80s, they were as they had as perfected as they as you could probably get the idea of communicating whatever the message is to children. And I think the only group in current day that rivals how good Saturday morning cartoons were at pinpoint accuracy with a message. Is the mouse? I think they're. I think they're the only one that competes. And I say all of that to say, ninety percent plus of what you saw that look like was Saturday morning toy commercials. And yes, there was always the merchandise and the toys and all of those kinds of things, even for something like Captain Planet. But Captain Planet made a point to break the fourth wall. And I almost wonder if this is part of why I enjoy fourth wall breaking in my comics and stuff like that, because he broke the fourth wall, like you said, at the end of every single episode. He very much it was very much the idea of we're fake. We don't we don't exist in the real world, but you exist in the real world and you can go and do whatever it is. Yeah, sure. I'm sure if I get if I went through the entirety of the series again. And watch all of it. I could probably pick out some examples of how they tried to get to the parents through the kids, sort of thing. But from what I can, from from what I've seen in um, 
in modern, I guess, modern day viewing is this idea that it's empowering the kid, the individual. And so the, the message that's going to the individual has to be, has to be reflected of that sort of personal charge rather than stop driving a car. You can start by picking trash up off the beach sort of thing. That kind of thing. I feel like they did a good job with that, which also kind of leads into the actual story because the main character was not Captain Planet. The main characters were the Planeteers who were these kids, which Ironically, a lot of what I remembered about Kite to Planet before the last couple of weeks where I've been binge watching this show was um, primarily from other shows and making fun of Captain Planet, where it's like there's these planeteers and then the lame guy whose power was heart or, you know, it'll be um, we just have stereotypical people from all the different races and they're kind of picking fun at it and watching it again now. And I'm not saying there's not room to pick fun at it. There is. But that was actually part of the point of the show. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a flaw. It was part of the design. Um, when you look at the premise of this show, uh, Gaia was the spirit of the Earth. I guess Mother Earth was kind of what she's supposed to be taking a long nap. And she woke up and went, oh, no, the Earth is in trouble. <laughs> Which, A, really absurd. B, brings up the theological question of a lot of how a lot of people think God just created earth and let us do what we want with it. And just kind of his hands off. That is a heresy. We might address that later. I don't know, (laughs) but it was interesting that she woke up and part of her design was let's pick five children because she, it had to be kids because that is the future, I guess. And she wanted people from different parts of the earth. So she actually chose people from different nations Part of the design was that it wasn't like, oh, it just happens to be these five kids of different races. No, she wanted it to be about the whole earth. So she was picking out people for that purpose. And what was really funny is she explicitly, when she gives them the ring, says heart. And this is the most powerful one <laughs> because you can you get the power of telepathy. You can read people's minds. You can feel people's emotions. You can emote stuff to other people. And I was like, man. That power is just way cooler than I thought it was as a kid and that any other show that makes fun of it treats it like that is actually a really cool power and by itself could probably be just as powerful as Captain Planet, who doesn't use that ability at all for some reason. Right. So to run through them real quick, you've got Wheeler from Brooklyn. You've got Linka from the from Soviet Union, but Russia. Uh, G from Asia, uh, Mati from Brazil, and Kwame from Africa, who I, in looking this up for today's episode, learned that it is uh, voiced by LeVar Burton, for, for all of you nerds out there. Um, yeah, that I found really interesting in watching through the pilot for today the way that they structured the start of the show had to have been scandalous for its time because you're talking about a time where uh, not all of these people played nice in the sandbox. And I think obviously that's, that's the point when you have this kind of messaging, but the fact that they were willing to do this kind of messaging in a show like this um very cool and yeah i mean you look at you look at any kind of media right you you look at if if we are christians we you know we we are told in no uncertain terms that we have access to the only real truth that we are the ones that that we're literally getting it from the source material and as Christians, we have a responsibility to live as such. I'm gonna, I'm breezing, breezing, we're jogging right through a theological landmine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not stopping any of the rabbit holes. You, so, so you, you, but if you look at that and you take all of that seriously, all of the preamble, all of the stuff that's, that, that's goes into that, and you look at something like Captain Planet, or, and this is manifested in so many different IPs in various ways and forms. This whole idea of heart, right? 
it's almost like there are hints of truth peppered into reality in its presentation. And you look at something like this, presenting heart being the most important thing. Is it a one-for-one allegory? Are we talking about the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe here? No, we're not talking about the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. (laughs) But A, if there's anything that we um, you hear us rally is this idea of don't be afraid to to dissect and poke and prod these things that you really thoroughly enjoy and look at them from a present context and different things like that. And I look at this from a present context where truth is very important. And I look at something like this and I'm like, huh, that's funny because you can see the through line if you allow yourself to see it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Not related, but while we're parked on the main characters being the Planeteers, just a couple things. One, I want to say I hate the guy. Um, I forget what his name is. Uh, the one that's from America. Wheeler. <laughs> the redhead. Yeah. Wheeler. I he's obnoxious. He's my least favorite Planeteer. Also. <laughs> I. Yeah. The the only name because you mentioned an actress, an actor's name. The only actor's name that I recognized was the guy who plays Verminous Scum, which uh, I don't know if you recognized it immediately, but it, it took me a second. But that's Jeff Goldblum oh, <laughs> playing Verminous Scum in this show for some reason. And I'm just like, what? Why, why are you here? What are you doing? <laughs> um, then finally, finally, back to the um, Linka. Is the one from the Soviet Union. And what I thought was interesting is if I remember my history right, 1990, when this started, it's still going through the breaking up of the Soviet Union. Yeah. And when she first showed up, the Wheeler was like, oh, you're from Russia. She says, no, Soviet Union. (laughs) And I just find that I don't know if there was some kind of a message behind that of what they thought politically or what. I just think it's interesting looking at that now, given what's going on currently in the world. And I'm like, I I would love to know what they were actually thinking when they decided that she's from Soviet Union and made sure that we knew it wasn't Russia. <laughs> yeah. But that's just a side note. I'm just really curious what they were thinking with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about the modern context of the whole thing with Russia when watching this now, but that is certainly interesting. Yeah, I, we do not have answers. I don't know who created the show. I don't know what they're politics were but it is certainly an interesting thing to think about like well they didn't make it a point that she was from the soviet union um so that being said uh i think i think we we will save the whether or not we will save the heresy talk about how gaia slept and how god doesn't isn't hands off we'll save that for when people ask for more on our website at systematicecology.org um for now i, I do want to kind of move into some of what the show was about, right? So she picked these kids so that they can go do these missions for her, Gaia did, and save the Earth from pollution and all this other stuff. What was interesting, I always thought this show to be purely environmental. Like it was only about saving the Earth and it being environmental. I didn't realize that there was this diversity in it of it intentionally being the whole world has to work together for this. And I didn't realize how much importance they put on animal rescue, animal life, and kind of preserving our, I don't know what you want to word that. As as a Christian, I just want to say creation, you know, preserving creation. But I'm sure someone out there does not like that that's how I want to word it. But guess what? I am a Christian, and I will word it that way. (laughs) Um, Did you remember the focus on animals like that? Did you recall that, or was that? No. Um, No, I don't remember that that was such a big part of, the story, and it goes back to, like I said, about the um, the, the whole peppering in of truth sort of thing. Like, there's such a theme of good stewardship of natural resources, including animals, that is so prevalent in this that really shocked me. Because the low-hanging fruit is be good to the environment. That you can you can build an entire show off of that. And I guess now that you mention it, I did go into this 
thinking that it was going to be that sort of messaging. But you see all over this that it's that they're talking about the whole of to use Josh's word creation. You know, if if you know the song you if you don't know me by now comes to my mind, like yes, we're systematic ecology. We're going to use that kind of language. It's fine, um, but when you see that that to me, having grown up in the the context that I did and understanding how little. Regard other than, I guess, animals, but as far as anything beyond just like pets or different things like that, how little regard was given to natural resources and different things like that, that just was not something that was a topic of conversation in my house. And there was buffoonery that happened over the years as a, as a result. And to see that there was a source out there of information telling kids, hey, look, this is not the right way to do this. Do this over here. And is giving some kind of virtue. That, to me, is is really precious in the fact that that existed. And as somebody who... Again, this was my this was my nostalgia, but I guess I would say I was outside of the the real hardcore demographic in the same way that other people are kind of into Power Rangers, and I was literally the target audience for Power Rangers. You know, I'm outside of that super pinpoint t- audience for Captain Planet, where it doesn't like resonate with those nostalgia feels in the same way maybe it does with you, but being a part of that 90s kid culture the fact that this is that this is even a thing is really surprising in in all of its complexity yeah yeah so joe that, that's a that's a good lead into some of the deeper conversations here and i have to ask you how controversial are we are we allowed or willing to get <laughs> Oh, we're doing this. (laughs) Okay, so I have something that that's always kind of perplexed me that I want to throw your way a lot of times. And and I do think a large part of this um, I'm going to group together because for the most part, in my experience, a lot of your evangelical church culture is just tied into what is or is not conservative or Republican. Um, I'll throw out there. I consider myself Republican. I don't always like Republican candidates. I'm just the one that out there. I'm not criticizing your political party, people. But I've always found it interesting that for some reason, this has always been grouped in with the liberals. The anti-conservatives are these tree huggers and animal lovers. And I always found it weird because to me, wouldn't it be conserving the planet? Wouldn't that be a conservative value? Why? How did this end up outside of that realm? All right. (laughs) Oh, no. Grenade. All right, cool. We're we're doing this. Um, <laughs> so the the shorthand answer to your question is because it's all mess and nonsense anyway. But we'll we'll let's let's dive in here. Yeah, I don't necessarily understand why an appreciation for creation, a conserving of creation, that layer is considered any kind of leftist or liberal or hippie or anything like that. When you, when you take the focus off of nature for a minute and you go to industry, you go to practices, all of those kinds of things, that's where that, well, just speaking factually, that's where this kind of dichotomy is born more so than at the nature level. But by proxy, because all of those things have an impact on nature and what and things like cutting or things like oil or things like, you know, mining of natural resources for industry purposes, because those things have a way of flowing into each other, it just kind of like but guilty by association sort of deal. And I think that's more where this where that distinction comes from. But as somebody who would be considered uh 
as non-party as you uh, uh, as as I would say, I would say non non-party leaning towards Republican. I really don't like most current politicians in same any kind of I I pretty much dislike uniformly. And and God and I have been working on the whole still praying for them, even though I don't. <laughs> but I say all of that to say you don't need to like any of that. A, like Josh said, we're not attacking anybody. Hopefully, we're putting a lot of trust in you guys that this part of the conversation isn't going to get out of pocket with anybody listening. We we are we we are espousing personal opinions, not speaking to your personal opinions. Now, all of that being said, doing something like not contributing to the problem, we could tackle the virtues of industry and all of those kinds of things in a in its own conversation. But at the individualistic level, doing things like caring for natural resources, caring for the planet, caring for animals, all of those kinds of things. What in the wide world of sports is political about that? I'm just saying, like, <laughs> and, and at least for some that I've talked to, there's this recognition that, you know what? Yeah, in, in, in generations gone by, maybe we did have, from these various angles, the wrong idea. Or maybe I was raised in a household filled with people of a different generation that handled these things differently. And those virtues kind of got passed along to me. Well, I think there's a group of people that have stood up and said, okay, yeah, maybe this is how the previous generation did it, but that's not how we're going to do it. And that's has absolutely nothing to do with who you vote for. That's a choice that you make with the things that you do. That's, a, that's an active choice to just make micro changes. We're not talking about the industry level. We're not talking about economics. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about whether or not you recycle or you don't, whether or not you throw trash out of your window or you don't. Those kinds of things. Okay, so <laughs> that set me up a lot. So, all right. So I'm just going to, I'm going to go on a, on a quick, I wouldn't call this a rant, just like a spew. First, I want to say my, my hypothesis, which I came up with as Joe was speaking there. Um, <laughs> I think what happened probably on the political end was a lot of your big businesses were cozied up to the conservative party and churches were also con- cozied up to that party. So when big businesses didn't like the big environmental push that said, Hey, we don't like some of what you guys are doing to the environment. Well, the Republican Party and everyone else cozied up with them were just anti that. Um, And because it also just has a lot to do with everything's polarized. So when one party likes something, the other one feels like it has to not like it. I hate polarized politics. I hate politics in general. So we're not going to sit on this that long. Um, But I do think what ends up happening with some of these political stuff that happened, it caused an inappropriate sorting where this got kind of thrown into one camp and thrown out of another. Like, oh, you're tree huggers. You are hippies. You're the liberal. Like, no, listen, this should not be sorted that way. I feel like this can be one of those both camp kind of things. If you are more Democrat, more liberal, hey, taking care of the environment so that we have a future, progressive, whatever, that fits in that camp. Conserving nature because God gave it to us and put us in a position to steward it. I would say the first commandment of God was be fruitful and multiply and care for the earth. That's also in the conservative party. Like this is not something that should be sorted into either. Like this isn't political. Like Joe was saying, this just should not be political. That then being said, uh, one of the other issues I think happens, and this gets into what I really want to get across is I think a lot of people who are really passionate, which is a good thing about the environment and animals and all that, Almost attack the other people. Oh, you're using a paper book instead of an ebook. Oh, how dare you? And being attacked automa- automatically makes you not like that other group. <laughs> when they're being overly aggressive, of course you don't like that group. And what I want to say for the Christian, and that this is something that I've I've noticed, and maybe Joe's noticed, we do a lot of focusing, especially in evangelical culture, of what God says you can't do. Yeah. Right? Uh, you can't lie. You can't steal. You can't whatever. And this is one of those that doesn't fall into that. 
there isn't a part in the Bible that says you can't use a physical book. So it's easy to be like, oh, those guys are the bad guys. We don't like them. But there is a lot of God wants you to do something as well. Like there are positives for God. God wants you to take care of this earth, to be good stewards, to care for the things you gave him. Um, when Adam came, that was one of the first commandments I said. When um, no one, the ark happened, he gave them the same thing. Be fruitful and multiply and take care of this planet that I gave you. Right. That is a command from God. Like that's not, this isn't up for debate in my opinion. Like that's just something that God wants us to do. Right. And to take it out of Old Testament, uh, to take it out of the Old Testament and bring it forward into the New Testament as well, Jesus gave us several commands on stewardship. He gave us, he, he told parables, he, he taught on this. And so part of stewardship is stewarding the products and the resources and different things that you are given. And, you know, yeah, there's a level of that that goes to the environment as well. And, and stewarding this thing that we are given for the time that we are given it, that speaks to the authority that we are given as Christ's representative here on earth and the responsibility associated with our existence. And so regardless of whatever leanings or virtues or political opinions you may have as Christians, God spoke, we need to listen. That's without getting into all of the other stuff, because man, we touched on, Josh touched on a lot of, <laughs> I'm like, that's, yes, yeah, you know what I mean? And, and, but, but at its fundamental core, before you get to any of that, God is king. God created it in a specific way to be done a specific way. That trumps any other ideology that any other party or system or idea brings forward. Hmm. Just as what it is, does that mean that every single one of us needs to be using paper? Sure, we get in all the nuance and things like that. I mean, I know for some people, they simply can't use some of the products, and that's okay. I don't think it's a simple thing. I think we're getting to the whole idea behind the Sabbath here, that this it's not it's not about the the work of doing this thing. It's about listening to God. You know what I mean? So, so yes, there's going to be nuance to the application layer of what it is that we're talking about. But still, at the end of the day, before we go out of pocket towards each other and we start getting snipey or we start getting assumptive or we start getting any of these things, God spoke. We need to listen. And that can be said for so many different aspects of this particular topic here at its different layers because you hit, man, so much when it comes to, okay, so if you don't, if you and I disagree about a thing, right? I think if we start, we're, we're to start unpacking the layers of the onion, getting to that business layer, all of that kind of stuff, not saying we're going to, but if we were just to unpack there, I think that might be a little bit more of where we might find something that somewhere that we disagree with each other on as far as execution and fault and all of those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, we're still united and it's still, it's not a, that doesn't put us at odds with one another. And that's my point. When you have all of these kinds of hot button issues, and honestly, if ever there was going to be a conversation that brought out this, that finally had this kind of conversation happen, of course, it's got to be the, the environmental episode because it almost feels like dispelling the myth. You know, we talk about these things, don't hate on each other just because you think differently about a thing. Okay, all of that. But we're still dispel dispelling the myth that picking <laughs> trash on the beach or doing your part to not make purposeful choices against the environment has absolutely nothing to do with 
politics or virtues or morals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And then to pile on to what Joe's saying and kind of go back to the this is a do not a do not think. Right. I don't think that God or the church or anyone's going to judge you for not getting, you know, uh, eggs that are cage free. But I do think it's probably a good thing to care about that. I don't. I can't afford that. If I could, I would always get that. I would always get the free range beef and all that. I can't afford that. I'll just be honest. God, do I wish I could? Yeah. I hate supporting some of the stuff that goes on in this world. But also, to a certain extent, you kind of have to. Like, I I get it. I do get it. Um, You know, I don't think it's a sin to not recycle. But I do think God looks down on it with a smile when you do, you know, um, I, I don't, what, do you think I'm, I'm off base there? Am I, am I on the right track? No, as somebody who has been blessed and given stewardship of the resources necessary to eat like that, to support farmers and more sustainable things or more or cleaner product or what have you. I made that choice for our family that that would be the direction because if I can, if if I can support that, if that is where my dollars go, different things like that. And that is the type of product that I, that's what I want to support and that's what I want to perpetuate. And that's what I want to take in from a health standpoint. You know, I having having lost as much weight as I have over the last couple of years, and no, this is not going to get into some weight loss nonsense. But, Your body's a temple, Joe. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, but I I do see that cleaner product matters in a lot of regards when it comes to food. Just the idea, you know what I mean? Okay, so. All of that said, though, again, there is no, I'll I'll use another 50 cent church word. (laughs) There is no condemnation in anything that we're talking about here. This is not, that's not what the point of this is. We're having fun about a geek product that we absolutely love from our childhood. And we're turning around and saying, okay, so this thing puts forward all of these ideas. What does that look like today? And what did, what can we do with that? What are we supposed to do with this? What are we, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, yeah, this is, this is one of those, uh, <laughs> matters, if you will. But the hope is as we unpack all of these things, we can do so freely without the fear of accidentally setting up a landmine. Because even if you don't agree with what, something that we're saying, it's a combination of don't separate over non-essentials and accepting that while the details might look different, mm-hmm. we are all given the same core fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And that's that the do's matter than more than the do nots. Because if you're following the do's, you don't have to worry nearly as much about the do nots. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not what can we do to get by and God still love us? It's I love God. So what can I do as an expression of that? And part of that is caring for what he's given us. Um, You know, Romans one talks about how God lets us up to our sin. And you'll see time and time again throughout the Bible he lets us suffer the consequences for our sins. And yes, sometimes he directly punishes, but sometimes he just lets us feel the consequences of what we do. I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that God will allow us to suffer for not taking care of the planet. I think he might very well may, and he very well might have already in some instances. Well, I think what you're talking about is evident even with early day Israel. I'm going through cover to cover on one of the shows that I do and we're in Joshua and it's been a very fascinating experience because it's illuminated and forced me to stop and focus on what is happening here. It's not just the, not just the history of it all, not just the facts of it all, but what is actually happening 
in this part of the Bible. And we are seeing over and over and over again, God working with an imperfect people at an imperfect time. And sometimes the moral of the story is actions have consequences. Uh-huh. And that is an aspect of life that we need to accept that actions have consequences. We, You look at carbon-based life forms, right? If you walk around smoking for three quarters of your life, you go around having a six-pack every single day, every single time <laughs> that you take a sip, every single time that you take a drag, every single time that you do that, you are exchanging a price. A price has to be paid on your health, on your body, every single time that you do it. It's the same idea with any carbon-based life form. And we look at the world around us, there's only so much abuse that the world and the resources can take. Yes, we like geeking out on sci-fi stuff, but what is the easiest storyline to to initiate some kind of sci-fi story? It's the exchange for the natural for the unnatural. For usual robotics or industry or something along those lines, but it involves tearing down the natural to the point where it cannot make a comeback. And so so that's a reality that can happen. I'm not saying Mad Max is going to start. I'm not <laughs> saying any kind of you know, dystopian future, whatever. But again, actions have consequences. Yeah, God is a God of order. He's a God of rules. You know, all of how physics works. He set that up. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like what Joe said. At, at the end of the day, I, honestly, I get really frustrated with the Christians who go, there's no such thing as climate change. Ice isn't melting. Nothing bad's happening to our planet. It can't because God's in control of our planet. Well, you know what? God lets you suffer consequences for your mistakes, and God's in control of you still. The same is true of the planet. I'm not saying that I'm climate change and it's going to be the end of the world or any of that. But what I will say is God will let us suffer consequences for our choices, just like Joe said. Yeah. There's there you can't negotiate your way out of certain things. And and one of the things that you can't negotiate your way out of is is science. Now, unfortunately, there is this hot button thing. So if we're, if you're gonna throw something out, I'm gonna throw something <laughs> out, that science does not naturally oppose religion. It it doesn't. We you wanna repeat that for those in the back? Exa- exactly. <laughs> We, we can, in fact, look to the laws of nature and say, wait, wait a minute. Okay, so you're saying that we exist on this thing that operates by exact standards and practices that happen every single day so that way we can exist. And tell me again how that wasn't created by something far superior than us. Go ahead. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. – but, but the, that application means that we need to take seriously – the realities of what the science says and what the data says. Mm-hmm. And that's the ma- That's the thing. Again, this is not political. This is scientific. This is, this is about reality and facts. And just, you know, for, for all of you that seven years ago didn't have allergies, <laughs> but do now look at the the reality of the impact of the world around us and i i, I challenge anybody if that if, if that is some if you are wrestling with us and you're you're listening to us and you're like oh man but i don't agree take take a little bit of time and look into that specifically it's fascinating what the data and the science says yeah i um <laughs> hey, to uh, to to slightly further some of the controversy of I, I I can't stand the science first the church stuff and a lot of the people with that mentality you know other than just the climate change another one that I hear a lot of is well all of a sudden there's all these mental disorders all of a sudden there's all these gluten free we didn't have any of that back in my day you mean you didn't have any of that before you started fast food change with processed food interesting very interesting yeah. um yeah I wonder what the connection could possibly be guys. Anyway, I <laughs> or at that for that matter, it's it's an older generation that would say something like that. And then you're forced to look at them and be like, oh, yeah, no, you just, you know, crazy that you used to feel like crap after drinking that fresh milk. But you didn't have anything called 
called lactose intolerance or anything like that, or you ate bread or pasta and you didn't feel very good, but you had nothing, you had no, no such thing as, as, as celiacs. It's almost like medical science has advanced enough to start naming what these allergies are and things like that. I'm just saying crazy that happens. Yeah. It's not new that addiction is a disease. We just learned how addiction works. It's always been that way. Anyway, um, Joe, uh, I want to say, and I think this is kind of what we're both getting at, is especially with the environmental stuff, the best thing I I could recommend for people, look into what you're doing, the stuff that you're buying, um, whether these companies are doing stuff that you're okay supporting, um, that kind of thing. Um, And as you do your research, do make decisions that you can afford to do that help the planet, knowing that it is not a sin for you not to do it. God is not going to condemn you, but that it is a good way to please the Lord. Um, and this is, I mean, I sound so churchy right now, but, <laughs> uh, Joe, before we get to the wrap up, I just want to know, could you just ramble off a few things that you can think of off the top of your head that are a good thing for people to do concerning yeah. this topic? Yeah. So, so something as simple as recycle, you know, something, something like that. It's super simple, different thing, different things like, you know what, when you clean out your car, Clean out your car. Don't don't throw it out on the uh, on the you know use a use a, a a bag in your car that you can collect trash in and then toss it out. You know what I mean? So little things like that. It's little micro changes that you know. Uh, I, and and we could go as far as to start talking about sustainable gardening. That's super easy and that mm-hmm. you can from an apartment and things like that. Like you can do all kinds of very very simple things that have a positive impact and, and all of that. And, and, you know, when you look at the way the, the world operates, you also find that making those little changes matter more to us in our convenience factor than they do on being strenuous or being difficult or anything like that. Again, we're talking about simple changes that when implemented go a great far distance to having a positive impact on the world around us. You know what I mean? Because we've all seen the implication. No, we've all seen the execution of this done poorly. Especially for those of us that are in this general age bracket. It, it, okay, so there, there's a lot of things that we've seen in our life <laughs> that have we've seen the a, a poor execution of. Just because we've seen that, or just because we've practiced that, doesn't mean that we can't turn around and make a change and make a choice to stop doing that. Or, or to maybe do better. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of yeah. room in the middle there for us to have autonomy and agency as the creative. You know, and this is not about what the creator said. It's about what the creator did in the creation that he made, in the laws of nature that he made. The humans that inhabit this earth we have been given all of this to be stewards of. And like any, you can go to extreme and wackadoo stuff and you, you can get wild and out in <laughs> this particular topic of conversation, but it's not about that. It's about something as simple as making the choices. Now, you heard me say before, I'm on the other side of the fence here as far as being able to make some of those buying decisions and things like that. I am also not telling you that you need to do what I'm doing or otherwise you are sinning. That's not the point. The the point here is that we we are telling you that it's important to make whatever choices you can wherever you are. Yeah, I'm part of a it's called the Orange Goes Green ERG at work. And we're, you know, sitting up the recycling at work. We're doing all that good stuff. Um, and, and there's usually something like that that you can be a part of in your local community or at your job or wherever. Um, if I if I were to. Well, hey, let me speak. Let me speak first to some of what Joe's talking about, the increment stuff. 
my dad in college, uh, people used to play this game where they, he, he said that they used to play this game where they threw nickels down the hall to see whose could go the furthest. And he would wait and collect the nickels. And eventually those nickels were dollars and those dollars were more and he was able to use it for stuff. And that is something that that is how the world works. That's just I know it's a conservative principle, but it's a principle that that is just true. When you collect the small things, when you make those small incremental decisions, it adds up. So uh, I I think for mine, um, this might be slightly controversial because I know a lot of people are anti zoos and stuff in general. Um, I think a lot of zoos and stuff do really good work to help the planet do research on how we can better create environments for some of these animals that are going endangered and instinct. So here's um, one decision I would say I think is important. Before you go to a zoo or a theme park like Disney's Animal Kingdom, whatever, look to see if it's AZA accredited. They have to go through some really extensive stuff to make sure that they're actually caring for the animals and doing overall good. For a while, Animal Kingdom, Disney's Animal Kingdom was not AZA accredited. They lost their accreditation for a while. Right now, they are accredited again, in case anyone's wondering. I think that's an important thing to do. Look into that because that is how you know you're supporting something that's at least trying to help animals better. Um, straws, I will, I'll drink out of plastic straw if I'm at a restaurant and that's what they got. At home, we switch to metal straws. If I'm somewhere that has paper straws, I hate paper straws, but I use the paper straws. They feel awful, though, so I, I do not like them. <laughs> um, All of you out there that may have celiac or a gluten intolerance, be aware of the pla- of the paper straws. Generally speaking, they are created using wheat-containing uh, additives like to, to, ca- to, have, to cast the form and everything. Um, be, be sure to check. A lot of times that, that can be found online, they'll, they'll either have a resource on their website that says it or um, others that have sat and done the research and all of that kind of stuff, find it and, and post about it. So just just something to put out there for anybody that may be affected by that. Yeah, that's really interesting. Another thing that I'm think, we're thinking about starting at my house, because uh, you mentioned gardening, sustainable gardening. We're thinking about starting our own compost. It's really not that difficult to do to just have your own at home. And it's something you can do that's basically free. You have to get something that you're doing it in. But other than that, you're taking like your eggshells, your paper products, your old peelings of vegetables and stuff and just creating it yourself. It just takes a little bit of your time. And that is something that is good for our environment that you can do. Joe, is there anything else that you want to add before we start wrapping this up? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right, guys. Hey, we know this was a long one, but it was a bonus episode and it was Captain Planet. I mean, can you blame us? <laughs> so uh, as we wrap up, uh, do you have anything you would like to recommend those listening, Joe? Uh, yeah, I would recommend um, getting caught up on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic, The Last Ronin, that is uh, finishing up we are going to be doing a recap episode on the entire story arc once it's finished. And man alive, is it good stuff. If you're a fan of the 80s cartoon, you will absolutely love it. And last I knew, the first couple of episodes were free on Comixology. Well, for, so... First off, yes, uh, the last Ronin is so good, and we're gonna do an episode on that soon, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> for for my recommendations, first, uh, the Animals to the Max podcast uh, talks a lot about how we can help animals and all that good kind of stuff, and it's really enjoyable. And he'll explain why I'm pro zoos that are AZA accredited and all that. So, if you're curious why I take that stance, that's a good place to go. Other than that, this this is kind of a more serious, a little bit weirder one for recommendation. Psalms by the Day. It's a new devotional translation by Alec Motyer. I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly, but you, you type that in M-O-T-Y-E-R. You'll find it. Um, he also does one on Isaiah, but it is a good kind of in between of a serious Bible commentary and a devotional. And I think the Psalms are just really one of my favorite places to go if I'm sitting out in nature, just observing the creation and just kind of sitting there going, wow. And this really breaks it down in a beautiful way that's also emotional and allows you to just take in what the text is saying. 
it's a great book. Check it out if you get the chance. Um, other than that, Joe, where can they find you that's not where they're currently listening? Um, I am live on the air six out of the seven days a week. You can find me on all the socials at Buddy Walk with Jesus or Kingdom on the Road, as well as at BuddyWalkWithJesus.com. Awesome. Awesome. And you can find me uh, where you're listening. You can type in the whole church podcast. You'll find it. Um, and then on our website, systematicecology.org, you can hit host, go down, and it has all the stuff that each of us do right there. You can just click on one of our names and find it. Um, another place you could find more of us is on patreon.com forward slash systematic ecology. We do a monthly comic book catch up. We do a bi-weekly D&D sessions as well as right now we're doing an episode each month on the different Narnia movies. Um, and soon we'll translate transition to some of the other extracurricular C.S. Lewis stuff. So be sure to go over there, check it out, support us for as much as like one dollar a month. You guys can do that. I'm sure I believe in you. Um, <laughs> hey, listen, that being said, we are so thankful for everybody listening, for everyone who supports this show. And remember, the power is yours. I couldn't help it, Joe. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.